welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 182, 30 Pieces of Silver. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. I actually wrote a podcast episode a few days ago. Normally I would release on Tuesday mornings, but I didn't like it. I didn't like how it was turning out. And over these last few days, I haven't been able to land on a particular topic because I keep going back to the topic that I had tried to write. And the thought keeps coming into my head that I just need to say what's in my heart and not worry so much about putting it together perfectly. So my prayer right now is that the Spirit can guide whatever I'm about to say. In Matthew chapter 27, it talks about Judas returning back to the chief priests and trying to return the 30 pieces of silver that he had been paid in order to betray Jesus. In Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 3, it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they say, What is that to us? See thou to that. They don't even want it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. I want to talk about two different Judases here. There's the Judas before the official betrayal and arrest of Jesus Christ, who valued the life of the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. That was the value that he was placing. Now, I have heard argument that some people think that because Judas believed that Christ was the Messiah, that perhaps he thought it wasn't possible, that Christ could be killed, that he could be arrested if it wasn't what was supposed to happen. But whatever the case may be, and we don't know, he decided that that betrayal was worth 30 pieces of silver. And just to give you a rough idea of what that was, that was about four months wages for an average worker. The average salary in the United States is 74738 So if you were to divide that by three, that equals $24,912. So right about $25,000. So Judas sold the Savior for about $25,000. But there's a second Judas to talk about. The Judas after he realized and repented or tried to repent or felt sorry for or felt guilt for what he had done, and he tried to return the money. That Judas obviously realized that the Savior's life, betraying the Savior, was not worth $25,000. So my question for myself as I think about this is, which Judas am I at different points in my life? Are there times when I am betraying Jesus Christ by not being willing to speak truth, not that we need to argue with everybody or or be contentious, but just I'm not, sometimes I'm not willing to say what is true. I'm not willing to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I know it's unpopular. Or are there times when I choose to sin, knowingly sin? I know that there are times when I am doing things that I'm I know are not consistent with the commandments, and I choose to do them anyway. I'm sure you guys have all felt it. I know sometimes as I'm speaking and I'm not speaking kindly about another person, I I can feel 
it's it's like do you know <laughs> this is a terrible show to bring up on a religious podcast but you know that um the movie Mean Girls where the main girl Caddy talks about word vomit and she can just feel herself talking about Regina George and people getting bored with it and annoyed with it but she just can't help it and she has word vomit I feel that sometimes whenever I am saying things that are either either unkind or or whatever it may be that I can feel the spirit prompting me and telling me and warning me that what I'm what I'm saying is not is not good it's not consistent with with charity or the pure love of Christ and I can ugh, it just wants to come out sometimes Anyway, I could go through a million examples of ways in which we choose to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ in ways that we, like Peter, claim not to know Christ by not being willing to to either obey the commandments the way we know we should or stand up for the true gospel of Jesus Christ. In those moments, I imagine that I am betraying the Savior like Judas was Obviously, not in the physical sense where he actually had the Savior in front of him, but I am willing to betray the Savior for some sort of of price, some sort of payment. And that payment might be sin. That payment might be praise or, or acceptance. I'm getting something for my betrayal of the Savior. And then, of course, when I... I'm repentant of that. I usually realize it pretty quickly, but as soon as I am ready to repent of that, I'm the second Judas. I'm trying to return that payment. Now, when Judas tried to return the money, there was no hope. The priests didn't want the money because it was blood money and they weren't able to put it back into into the tax coffers. They weren't able to use it for anything else because it was now impure But when Judas dropped it, they had to then debate about what they should do with it. And so they bought a potter's field. And that field was used to bury foreigners or unclaimed bodies or the poor who couldn't afford a proper burial. So like I said, when Judas dropped that money, he had no, he felt he had no hope left. That money was of no worth to him, he realized. And he'd given away the most important thing, his loyalty to the Savior. But luckily, for us, when I'm like the second Judas, when I'm ready to give give back the thing that I thought was worth it at the time, when I'm re- ready to give up my favorite sins, I get to. The Savior takes them from me. The Savior isn't like the chief priests who aren't willing to take this impure money. The Savior isn't like the chief priests in that he didn't give us the money in the first place, but he is willing to take it back. He is willing to take back the impure money, impure payment that we received and make something amazing out of it. The Savior, though he is the Son of God himself, holy, worthy of of worship and praise, created the earth, is willing and most importantly able to take upon him my sins. Like we talked about last week, I don't know whether to call that the most pure job or the dirtiest job of all time. He took upon him the filth, the awfulness, the depravity, the darkness of the world. But also how sacred and pure and holy that sacrifice was. Now, Judas, when he received payment for his betrayal of Jesus Christ, he received a payment that was not 
reflective of the actual value of his loyalty to Jesus Christ. When we sin, the payment that we receive in return, whether that be praise of the world or or we get to participate in our favorite sin or whatever it is, that is not reflective of the actual value of our loyalty to Jesus Christ. But that last day, there was an actual accurate value placed upon the life of Jesus Christ. And it was a value agreed upon between our Heavenly Father and His Son. And the exchange made for the life of Jesus Christ is you. It's the possibility for eternal life for the entirety of the human family. It's the resurrection of the entire human family. Because He died, we all can live again. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Doctrine and Covenants 18, verse 10. Remember, the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. The worth of the life of the Savior was great in the sight of God, and he traded one for the other. But because of the greatness of God, that wasn't the end. The life of the Savior wasn't over. That suffering, that pain, that sacrifice was great and terrible, but it wasn't the end. God wasn't done doing good things for us. The Savior then rose again so that we can rise again. With you, He is not buying a potter's field. He is not doing things only designated for impurity. He is doing exactly the opposite. He is creating something holy and great in you. He knows that through his sacrifice, it is possible that you can become like him, that you can continue on in doing the great work that he is doing. That great and last sacrifice was given so that in your moments when you are acting as the first Judas, that you can be a successful second Judas, not a Judas without hope, but a Judas with the ultimate hope in Christ, the ultimate trust in Christ, as you give back what you traded that loyalty for, knowing that he can create something far more, infinitely more than you ever could. I bear my testimony that nothing has gone wrong in the plan. Even on that dark day, nothing was going wrong. Even now in the world, as things are dark and scary, at large and perhaps in your personal life, ultimately, nothing has gone wrong because everything will and can be made right through the Savior. He's already won. He will return. And when you meet him, he will not look into your eyes and feel sorry that he gave his life for you in exchange. He loves you. He believes in you. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.